Hey folks, just a quick content warning at the top here. Uh, Among other lyrics, this uh, episode deals with a song that depicts some Nazi crimes against humanity. Uh, It's not advocating them or condoning them at all, but it's not condemning them either. It's just depicting um, a pretty depraved character singing about gruesome medical experiments um, and uh, Aryan supremacist uh, beliefs. And you might want to skip that if that's going to be upsetting to you. It's from about the 23-minute mark to about the 40-minute mark. And there are other possibly objectionable songs in here. Also, if you're wondering why a nice podcast like ours would cover that, well, wait for it. Hi, Daniel. Hey, Carice. How's it going? To to be honest, I'm feeling a little uh, guilty. Guilty? Honestly. Why? Because of what we're about to do on this episode. Oh, gosh. See, I, 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 <laughs> I, I buy all this shit. See, that I'm, <laughs> I'm the worst. Uh, you can trick me with, with everything. It's terrible. I'm so fucking naive. Well, I hope you feel terrible about that right now. Mm-hmm. Super guilty. Yeah, very guilty. Well, audience, what do you think this episode's about? Let's, 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 let's get lyrical. So lyrical, I can get so lyrical. This is lyric. Kicking lyric, try to be With Carice and Daniel. Guilty pleasures. Welcome back to Let's Get Lyrical with Carice and Daniel. I'm back in Brooklyn. Uh, and Carice, you're in the same we're we're on the same continent once again. We seem to follow each other around the globe. Where Amazing. are you? Amazing. I'm in Los Angeles in a La La Land. City of Angels. What are you doing there? Um I'm I'm just basically doing meetings and meeting my manager and seeing my agent and showing the people, the people in, in this country that or in this city that I am um, still uh, ready and happy to work. And, uh, yeah. you know, that stuff. Are you taking lunch? Are you taking lunches as they do in LA? Yeah. Let's take a lunch. Ladies who lunch. Let's hear it for the ladies who lunch. Everybody rise. Um, Let's take a lunch. Yes, <laughs> but um, it's not. It's nice. It's really. I mean, it's been pretty shitty weather, but um, it's nice. To, it's also a holiday for me, to be honest. And it's funny to to be here after such a long time. Yeah, that's sick. Anyway. Yeah. Back no, <laughs> to the subject. Guilty pleasure lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. Guilty pleasure lyrics. So there's a lot of ways to interpret this prompt, and I'm interested to see what you brought. I brought a few of mine. I'm even feeling a little bit self-conscious about them. So I think that's a good sign that we're, we're onto something. Yeah. What are some reasons a person might feel guilty about a, a song they take pleasure in listening to? Well, in your case, that it's not, you know, that's not well written, that there's no love in, in the, in the, in the, in the lyrics that there's, that it's uh, yeah. maybe too easy or I yeah. don't know. In your case, it's kind of stupid. That it's kind of stupid or 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 beneath them. I don't I don't know that I have any examples of that, but maybe some will occur to me uh, as we talk. Um, those aren't the ones that I brought, but those definitely can be like just a dumb, a yeah. dumb, like cock rock song or or just something silly and superficial. Um, 
there could be, you know, it could be morally questionable. I have a few of those, but for <laughs> yeah. whatever reason, you really enjoy it. It could be offensive. Um, mm. Yeah, or or it may sort of have a kind of um, attitude towards it that that you would be embarrassed to admit that you actually have. So, uh, yeah, it's funny because you you're so tuned into the words, and when when we were talking about the subject, I was like guilty pleasures. That that to me, immediately first I think of the music or the the, act, mm -hmm. the artist, and then I think what did they actually saying? Was that guilty pleasure enough? Um, you know, how bad should I go? <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's such a long list if you think of it. And then, and then we can also talk about, you know, why, we, why do we have to say, you know, how, how they say about guilty pleasures? Why do you call them guilty pleasures? Because why do you feel, you know, what, why feel guilty? Like, <laughs> because you're, what's the point of feeling guilty? Because you like them. Yes, they might not be cool, but you like them. So why then call it guilty? It's sort of a bit of disclaimer that's sort of like false. Yeah, well, it's kind of like, it's like kink shaming yourself. You get off on what you get off on. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that there's something uh, in a puritanical culture or, you know, a judgmental culture or in some of our families where we associate pleasure with guilt, period. So if we're mm -hmm. taking pleasure... Yeah. There must be something wrong. We have to believe uh, ourselves. But then also I think there are um there are times when we're conflict like we are complicated beings and our personalities are complicated. And there are parts of us that really enjoy something and parts of us that are horrified by it. And the two mm -hmm. clash and that creates a dissonance. And I think guilt can be one of the ways that we try to uh, square that circle. It's like, oh, well, at least I feel guilty about it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, that way the, 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 the angel on my shoulder can, can live with the devil on my shoulder. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, well, let's get into it. What, yeah. You want to start? Sure. Go for it. Um, yeah. I'll start it off um, sort of on the lighter side. Uh, and this is an example of a song uh, that I don't actually feel guilty about, but it, uh, it certainly, um, what can I say? It certainly is not the public image that I'm presenting with say the myth of normal or mental chiropractic. And it wouldn't, it certainly wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't redound well to my association with my father who runs like a compassionate inquiry program. The song is called mm -hmm. No Compassion. It's by Talking mm -hmm. Heads. It's off their mm -hmm. very first album. When they were at their most like spastic and jerky and kind of alienated, like David Byrne was really writing mm -hmm. about, about like being on edge all the time. You know, this is this, the album with Psycho Killer. You know, I can't yeah. sleep because my bed's on fire. Don't touch me. I'm a real live wire. So this is more of a deep cut. So many people have their problems. I'm not
so. It, most people don't because it's off uh, their very first album, Talking Heads 77. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's so it's so honest and so sort of we've all been there like oh, I don't wanna, <laughs> I don't want to hear this I just let's get over with <laughs> come on um, totally totally and and it also uh, because it's so simply simply written it's just these yeah. simple thoughts <laughs> exactly and the fact that yeah. he uses the word problems so many times and. It, doesn't rhyme. Uh, it doesn't, you know, there's no rhyming, but just the same words at the end of the sentence. Very, very much so. Yeah. It, 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 uh, it's very comic and it, it, it conveys his, uh, his, his, uh, fatigue with it, you know, <laughs> the, the repetitiveness of it. So many people have their problems. I'm not interested in their problems. I guess I've experienced some problems, but now I've made some decisions. Um, and of course, the way it's set to music helps as well. So many yeah. people have their problems. I'm not interested in their problems. <laughs> um, and the, the song opens with, in a world where people have problems, in this world where decisions are a way of life. Like, what's the big mm -hmm. fucking deal? Just make up your mind. We all have to do it. Other people's problems, they overwhelm my mind. They say compassion is a virtue, but I don't have the time. This is a song about compassion fatigue, not in like a helping profession, but just in the in the profession of being, a, you know, an urban human being <laughs> surrounded by like complaining friends and whatever. And I don't actually feel this way most of the time, but there are times when I don't want to listen I don't want to be absorbing people's need for compassion mm. um, and or negativity or negativity. That's true. Absolutely. You know, like, uh, yeah, like sometimes even in like comment threads on Instagram, someone came at me yesterday. I had posted something about, you know, parent adult child relationships mentioned my own relationship with my parents and someone comes in, Oh, it's the tiniest violin playing for you. You know, your dad's out here making this huge difference in the world and here you are whining. I wasn't even complaining about him in the, in the thing. I was just talking about a particular dynamic that's pretty universal, you know. And uh, part of me says, well, you know, she's hurting and she's she's projecting her own pain or whatever. But, you know, like the bigger part of me is like, fuck off, block, you know, like delete. Like, <laughs> like it's funny I mean, how quickly that goes from like that sort of spiritual to sort of to block. <laughs> I know, I, know I should care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. He says, they say compassion is a virtue, but I don't have the time. My interest level's dropping. My interest level is dropping. <laughs> I've, heard I I've heard all I want to and I don't want to hear anymore. <laughs> and then he, he like, he revs back up. What are you in love with your problems? I think you take it a little too far. <laughs> It's not it's, so cool to have so many problems. And I've, I've it's also a character. Like, yeah, sorry. Oh, it's totally a character. He's totally playing yeah. a character. And, and yeah. he always did. That's what was so beautiful about Byrne, you know, even in like the Stop Making Sense, especially in the Stop Making Sense uh, concert, vid uh, concert movie. Yeah, yeah, film, You know, he's just, it, it's a performance. Uh, yeah. It's performance. It's really performance art, actually, as pop music. Yeah. Do, are you a listener? Are you the kind of per person people come to in your personal life for? I used to be. I I, I think I'm a good listener, uh, but I'm also I can also be an oversharer and just blurt it all out to complete strangers. Me too. 
oh, me too. And I'm sure there are pe- this is the other thing. When I hear this song, I'm sure there are people who, who have felt this way about me. <laughs> this is also an ADD trait, by the way, apparently. Yes, the oversharing. Yes, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and but because we we're not comfortable with small talk, we want to get right yeah. into. And this is what this is why you and I connected partly so yeah. quickly. <laughs> what I like about this song, though, is it, he's he's specifically talking about people whining and complaining about their problems <laughs> and their indecisions. You know. Mm. And that I can completely like if I'm whining and complaining about my indecisions and it's not clear to the person listening to me why I'm sharing it. I'm just kind of and especially if I've told the same story over and over again, I would hope <laughs> that a good friend would at a certain point say my interest level is dropping. My interest level is dropping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's very funny. And it's also funny because it's not it's sort of. Uh, a bit offensive, of course, but at the same time, he's not really angry. He's sort of, sort of really honest and sort of blunt about it, but sort of finally blunt. He's exasperated. And I think, I don't know that he's even saying this to the person he's imagining. No, saying no, it. no. Yeah, yeah, of course, this is all in his head, but but, it's all in but his not, head. In a, not in an aggressive way. It's just really, yeah, I don't know. Well, I do have to say, I have to admit, though, that I can... It's also sort of about, I mean, that's what I sort of read into it, I guess. Someone who just, you know, I have a friend and, and again, like I do this myself. So it's also something that I recognize that you're going out in loops, you know, sort of, you're almost at a sort of, some sort of um, epiphany at some point. And then you, because of the, the trauma is too big that, that it brings you back again by the, to the start and you sort of, you keep talking in, in, in circles. And that yes. can be very yes. uh, tiring for the other person. I'm very aware of that. I call that a, I call that a trauma vortex. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you say it a bit nicer than I can, but uh, that is exactly what it is. Yeah. 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 And it, and it's exactly because you, it actually, you know what, that exhaustion is compassion because do you know what com- the word compassion means? Literally? Um, no. Etymologically? No. Come passion to feel with. Yeah, yeah. To feel with somebody. So if you feel that exhaustion, what you're feeling is how tiring that is to be in that loop. And they yeah. are stuck in it and they're caught in it. But you actually, you can turn that compassion, that ir- see, it starts as irritation, probably like, I don't, this is getting irritating. But if you actually tap into it, it'd be like, oh, this sucks. This must really suck for you. Yeah. Because you can also feel like it doesn't matter what I say because this person is 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 in a loop. It, it, it's in a in a um, what do you call that? Like a, what they used to have Spiral. in the first first world war. The the we call them the you know what the first trenches? in the first trenches. Yeah, yeah, the trenches. Ah, the yeah. trenches. Yeah, we use it in a different way. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But it, and, and again, like I can do this as well. I'm, I'm very aware that I can go into that loop myself. Anyway, sorry, about, so, sorry, friends, if I do that sometimes. Well, and it's a kindness to, to help someone out of that, you know, and yeah. So anyway, I appreciate how blunt and authentic this song is. Uh, and it's just very, it's just very funny in the way it delivers it. Yeah. So that's, that's my first guilty pleasure song. Um, okay. 
Shall I go with the next one? Yeah, please do. And this is again, this is not, not so much a guilty pleasure uh, as it, 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 it's also more of a, um, maybe just a nostalgic, nostalgic uh, song for me. So I don't, I'm not ashamed of it, but it's also not something that is cool to put on on a party, I think. Yeah, totally, totally fine. Okay. Uh, it's, um, it's tomorrow from Annie. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, that voice has a lot to do with it. Pretty funky, actually, this arrangement. Yeah. Take it away, Annie. Yo. This could make me cry, like, honestly. There's, really? there's so much nostalgia for me, yeah. I, I think it's probably the first mm. film that I saw in the in the theaters when I was six. Um, yeah. So, you know, Annie was just like everything to me. Like, that's all I played, all I listened to. I, you know, I did role plays with my sister, my sister's still angry with me that she had always had to be Daddy Warbucks and I always was Miss Hannigan. And she was always, <laughs> you know, she always had the shitty part, which of course is a really cool part, but in, you know, how she experienced it, I sort of, um, yeah, dumped her with that. Um, but, uh, yeah, amazing. <laughs> uh, and there's just something about, you know, apart from the fact that it brings so much memories, back it was also something to grasp onto even when i was young i just felt like mm. uh, and i wanted to be annie even though she was an orphan like she was had a shit life you know? <laughs> but i wanted to be annie and 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 i wanted to have that I, I wasn't that kind of girl i wasn't that that kind of pippy longstocking tomboy you know very strong uh righteous pure, cheeky, you know, Plucky. girl, I was just, yeah, she was, she was, I was really, um, uh, I was a real, a real fan, I think. And there's so something in that arrangement. Yeah. Well, the arrangement's great. So if you chose this as a guilty pleasure, I would mm -hmm. guess that there's some kind of clash between your self-concept now and the girl that you remember like you chose something's coming for instance to introduce yourself mm -hmm. in our first episode and you were a little also from a musical and you were a little bit shy about it because you were like part of me rolls my eyes at this but part of me has this optimistic side as well that mm -hmm. you know i'm not just mel i'm not just a melancholy uh you know woman in my 40s i'm 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 still that that, that youthful, hopeful kid riding a bike. Is there something of that in, in the sort of guilty pleasure aspect of it? Or is it just, is it just something you just love giving over to? And yeah, I guess it's, it, it is partly that. Um, like I have that. It's funny because something's coming is of course very hopeful, as you say, and, and very dreamy and sort of the potential 
And, but I have that same sort of side, but to, uh, on flip, flip sides is um, me being very uh, sentimental and, and, and not, not nostalgic. Um, um, what do you call that? Um, yeah, dramatic, I guess. I, 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 there's something dramatic about this song as well. Like the, it's so sort of bigger than life yeah. kind of. Um, well, it's the difference between the two is that it, it, one difference is in Something's Coming, it's about a character talking to himself and expecting something. This is a pep talk. This is a speech. This is a This is Annie giving this gift to the world. I don't remember the context in which she sings it. Does she sing it to her fellow orphans? Or just to no, herself. she's the first time she sings it. I think is with um, with Roosevelt, you know, with President Roosevelt, and they're in they're in they're in his room, and 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 the woman Eleanor Roosevelt says, "Sing, and he sing," and she just you know sings, starts singing a cappella, which is even if you hear that version, that would really give you goosebumps because it is also the innocence of a child in. In, in such a sort of heavy political room with the Democrats and the Rep- Republican and, you, you know, that whole tension. And she's in the middle of that with her cute little red curly hair and seeing this very positive, optimistic, strong um, song. It's just, there's just something about it that I just, I'm such a sucker for. <laughs> We need to get Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi in a room and find a little redhead girl. <laughs> but yeah, you almost should look that up, that moment where... I will. Where um, in the video she says, or in the, yeah. And then they I start singing along. I, you know, then they all start singing along. So as uh, Roosevelt starts singing, oh, you have to look it up. Can we see, please see it? You'll help us too, won't you, Oliver? Ah. Think of the children. Think of Annie. The sun will come out tomorrow. Saying Oliver, that's order from your commander in chief. There'll be sun. Eleanor? I can't sing. Sing. Tomorrow, please away the cobwebs and the sorrow. Fantastic. That is just fantastic. Oh. Oh. Well, I feel really, I feel really, I feel really guilty now about the song I'm about to play next. (laughs) Oh God. Is it against children? Uh, well, it's certainly against human beings, including children. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, this is a complicated one for me. Um, yeah, this get this gets a little dark. So, the, <laughs> oh gosh, I wonder. I don't Here know if go. I should explain. I don't know if I should explain it or Maybe just not. play it for you. <laughs> All right, y- you'll you'll get it. Okay, typing.
Hey folks, Daniel here, uh, just interjecting uh, in post-production. Because I don't think you can probably make out the lyrics if you're just listening, uh, I'm going to read out some of them so that you know what we're talking about. And like I said at the beginning, content warning for graphic, brutal violence, and frankly, Nazi war crimes and crimes against humanity. Um, Here are the lyrics. Auschwitz, the meaning of pain, the way that I want you to die. Slow death, immense decay, showers that cleanse you of your life. Forced in like cattle you run, stripped of your life's worth. Human mice for the angel of death, 400,000 more to die. And the chorus is angel of death, monarch to the kingdom of the dead. And it goes on to describe in pretty brutal detail many of the experiments themselves, um, extreme uh, cold experiments, you know, plunging people into freezing water, uh, burning, um, terrible surgeries uh, of all kinds of horrible uh, varieties. And if that weren't explicit enough, there is the line, sickening ways to achieve the Holocaust. So that gives you a flavor for it. If you want to know what all the lyrics say, you can go look it up. Um, But here's our conversation about it. Uh, Suffice it to say, uh, Caris was a bit taken aback. Holy shit. <laughs> Sickening, isn't it? I was like, this is tortured. Like, if I would have to listen to this for half an hour, I wonder what that would do to my cells. Like, what? Yeah. Well, the album itself, uh, Rain in Blood, is about 33 minutes long. It's about all you can take. I love it <sighs> and I hate it. I, it. You know, look, my grandparents died in Auschwitz. This song is about Joseph Mengele. Yeah. The Nazi doctor who selected my great grandparents for death, set them to the gas chambers and oversaw the medical experiments that killed, you know, and tortured untold, you know, the, the medical experiments, you know, tens of thousands of Jews and Russians and Poles. And um, it's horrific. And um, and it's uncomfortable for me to mm-hmm. love this song. So I have to ask myself, why do I love it? How can I possibly, yeah. as the son of a Holocaust victim, enjoy this? You know? Well, number one, the music to me is just so, uh, it's just really good. Like I, like the the precision of the playing, it's, it's, uh, it's prodigy, not prodigy, but it's, it's, it's extremely accomplished uh, playing. And I find the riffs just inc- like, just fucking so viscerally exciting to me especially that slow one my body just it just hits me right in my body i love good thrash metal and slayer were the 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 most extreme version of that genre um the 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 song Right, I think it walks this line, and they were accused of being Nazi sympathizers and and uh, or neo Nazis, and they denied it, you know, really vehemently. Mm-hmm. They said that they're on tour, and I got he picked up a book about the Nazi doctors. He was, you know, and this is a band that was fascinated with morbid, macabre stuff, the darkest side of human nature, as many heavy metal musicians are mm-hmm. that's what attracts them to that music it's expressing something that's almost unexpressible about the deepest and many of these guys are 
you know, kind of sweet guys in real life or nerdy mm-hmm. or, or just, you know, but it's an outlet yeah. for this completely dark, you know, like a Hieronymus Bosch painting or, or, or any kind of art that revels in the dark side of things. Um, it's Gothic. Uh, and I think the song, the lyric Taken one way, it sounds like a celebration of sadism and and uh, Nazism, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think if you, it, for me, it walks this line between number one, it's portraying a character, mm-hmm. it's getting inside his mind, yeah, his maniacal, crazed, sadistic mind. Uh, and the mind of that mentality, but also it is uh, it, there's a there's a fascination with it and a fear of it in the in the, uh, the you can hear it in that scream that blood curdling stream that it starts with trying to make sense of something by trying to uh, embody yeah. it and like the best horror films there's something hopefully cathartic about it. Yeah. Now the part of me that's guilty is actually not for myself or even, I mean, I guess there's a part of me that's like feels guilty towards my ancestors. Like, what would they say about their grandson listening mm-hmm. to this? But I think there's a lot of things about the modern world that would confuse them, you know. Um, but I can't really square that one. Like, I that one that that guilt is there. Yeah. There's also the guilt of knowing that there are people out there listening to this who are not going to have the nuanced take that I do. Yeah. And, and that there may well be neo-Nazis who love this song for the absolutely wrong reasons. But that one, I can't hang out with that guilt too much because I just don't believe in that line of um, artistic critique. Mm-hmm. I, I actually don't think it's incumbent upon art to be responsible in that mm-hmm. way. I think it's it has to be true to itself. Yeah. I just think that's a slippery slope. Yeah. But just on the personal level for me, knowing what my father and grandparents went through and how my entire family outside of my grandparents and father were decimated. Um, and I've been to Auschwitz. I've stood on that railroad track where my grand, where, where this guy, Joseph Mengele, selected them. I've been, I've, I've been to the gas chambers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, I, and sometimes I think I'm going to outgrow it. It's not a song I want to listen to a lot. But in in a way, it's like going through the bowels of hell, facing it and coming out the other side. And it does something to me that feels, um, I don't know, homeopathic somehow. Uh, and it connects also with my deep feelings of pain and rage and my darker side. And there's something about having that expressed. So that's my little spiel about how I can possibly listen to Angel of Death by Slayer. Interesting. Yeah, because, you know, for me as a complete outsider of this genre <laughs> and also I don't have that history but uh, yeah and again like I am a complete um, lake as we say in Dutch as someone who doesn't know anything about this particular genre like you know to me yeah, it, yeah you've said yeah to me it feels really like someone's expressing the fucked upness, and and I'm not even really like looking at the lyrics. It's to me this person screaming, "This is so fucked up," you know. 
So that it, it is also, yes, as you say, for me, it's an expression of a feeling that the words that come, it's like that is how evil that is. And that comes out in a human voice with music that I cannot listen yeah. to personally. It's not my outlet. Like this yeah. gives me a headache almost. Well, I can appreciate it, yeah. obviously, but it's yeah. not my outlet. But I do appreciate the, yeah, that, that, that someone's expressing something that I, the feeling I know, I just don't. Yeah. Again, it's not my outlet, but I. Yeah. I can. It's not. It's not your outlet, but. I can identify with the feeling, like the the desperation and the and the and the horror in the in the in the sound. Yes. Yes. Well, I, I'm I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad that I'm not, you know, because that that assuages some of the guilt. Like, is there something wrong with me that I can and and. Um, also, I'm just assuming that I cannot imagine that this is. Someone, I mean, I can only, I, I also listen to it from an actor's perspective. You know, I always think that it comes from some sort of trying to understand something or, or as you say, um, uh, I don't know how you express it, but I, I don't, I, I cannot believe that these are people that are actually sympathizing with this, right? It's an expression of horror. Well, well, so that's, that's exactly right. So this is the band talking about it because it caused outrage among Holocaust survivors. I bet. Uh, and it led to acu accusations of Nazi sympathizing. And, and look, mm -hmm. that's what's going to happen. You put a song out like this, you know, th 40 years after the Holocaust. It came out in 1986. Um, mm -hmm. Jeff Hanneman, who wrote it, who's one of the guitar players, says, I feel you should be able to write about whatever you want. Angel of Death is like a history lesson. I'd read a lot about the Third Reich and was absolutely fascinated by the extremity of it all. The way Hitler had been able to hypnotize a nation and do whatever he wanted. A situation where Mengele could evolve from being a doctor to being a butcher. And I'll tell you what, on my European road trip just now, the audiobook I was mm -hmm. listening to was The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich by, by William Shirer. And I'm five hours away from the end. It's a 57-hour book. And I was wow. listening to this all throughout Germany and Austria and Switzerland and Italy. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. It's an amazing story. And there are moments that are very difficult to take. But these are human beings who did this and who mm -hmm. evolved from, you know, traumatized children, clearly. I mean, Hitler had a very difficult childhood, I think. But also indignant Germans defeated in the first world war and having really difficult treaties and terms put, put you know and a, a, a history of racism in the country and and a, a long-standing national grievance mm -hmm. but look there are u.s psychologists and psychiatrists members of the american psychiatric association in good standing who served as consultants and even on-site doctors at guantanamo bay where treatment that's every bit as cruel as this, not quite as extreme, but every bit as tor as cruel and sadistic as this was taking place under the auspices of American democracy promotion and, and freedom building in, in this century. Yeah. And psychologists and doctors helped them. And the yeah. fact is that these, these professional um, organizations that, you know, are still recruited to do very evil things. And so, I think there's a kind of hypocrisy sometimes when we stigmatize one thing and say you shouldn't write about that or you must sympathize with that for you're right exposing the emotions 
and the horror, but also the actual history. This is a history lesson. You could play mm -hmm. this song in a history class with mature enough students and a teacher who sets up the context right and have a really interesting conversation. Mm -hmm. um, Hanneman also said, I know why people misinterpret it. It's because they get this knee-jerk reaction to it. When they read the lyrics, there's nothing I put in the lyrics that says necessarily he was a bad man because to me, well, isn't that obvious? I shouldn't have to tell you that. Yeah. You know, and another guitarist says, yeah, Slayer are Nazis, fascists, communists, all that fun shit. And of course, we got the most flack for it in Germany. I was always like, read the lyrics and tell me what's offensive about it. Can you see it as a documentary? Or do you think Slayer's preaching fucking World War II? People get this thought in their heads, especially in Europe, and you'll never talk them out of it. But it's also, yeah, it's just he's saying butcher. It's not like that is cool. Infamous butcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, rancid angel of death flying free, yeah. you know? And so I'm, in a way, I'm grateful to artists who can go there because I can't, Yeah, you know? Um, but I like, I like going to dark places. I think good comedy goes to dark places uh, and, and, and good art needs to go to dark places sometimes. Sweeney Todd is my favorite Sondheim musical. Yeah. It's about cannibalism and, and murder. Oh, we are. Revenge, you know, yeah, and that's a really heavy. That's a heavy metal musical if ever there was one, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. So, um, and you know, and Slayer twenty years later, fifteen years later, wrote a song called Jihad about the September eleventh attacks, told from a terrorist's perspective. Right. Yeah. Not because they not because they're jihadists, mm -hmm. but because they're interested in the psychology that makes human well, beings act the way they do. Exactly. I was, I was listening to another podcast of, of um, a lyricist, a Dutch lyricist, a friend of mine, who was saying that he, and this is a, to make it smaller, more understandable, I guess, for people that he, he'd rather write a song if it, you know, he writes a lot of um, stuff for kids, like a kid's show, very smart, educational kid's show. And he says, I'd rather write a song about the bullier than the kid who is being bullied. Absolutely. So it's it's like it's that, yes. Of course, but that is not easy. Not everyone can go there, as you say. Uh, no, and it's either. not for everybody. No, it's not for everybody. Because also it requires to 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 go out of your, you know, to to look from different perspectives. Not to, of course, say <laughs> to um, what do you call that? Um, defend it, obviously. But people are free to condemn it, you know. Yeah, uh, but this is, this discussion has been great. I will never feel guilty about the song again. You've given me <laughs> you've given me the courage of my convictions. Well, now I get the, the comments as well. It's not just you now being attacked. <laughs> but for now, for something completely different. Please, I think we're ready for that. Will Smith. Oh, getting jiggy um, with it. Getting jiggy I, with it. Absolutely, that's the one. Okay. Here he was ripping off Notorious B.I.G. like more money, more problems and Puff Daddy and Mace like that you'll hear in his his rapping style he's very good at it actually he's just he's a he's a real good uh, just kind of channels whatever's popular right 
850 IS if you need a lift. Who's the kid in the drop? Who else will slip? Living that life, some consider a myth. Rock from South Street to 125. Women used to tease me, giving to me now nice and easy. Since I moved up like Georgia Weezy. Cream to the maximum, I'll be asking them. Would you like to bounce with your brother that's black enough? Never see Will attacking them. Rather play ball with Shaq enough, flat enough. Never see Will attacking them? Ask Chris Rock. <laughs> Better keep my wife's name out your mouth from here to down south. It's well done. I'm, sh- I'm sure. To be honest, this is just one of those songs I have no idea what he's talking about. It feels like way too, um, uh, what do you call that? Um, um, street talk. I feel like such a grandmother. What's that called? Street talk? Slang? Slang? Slang. Slang. Yes, exactly. Let's break it down. Let's break it down. On your mark, daddy, set, let's go. Dance dance floor pro, right? So he's a pro on the dance floor. I know you know. I go psycho when my new joint hit. My new joint is my new – I mean, joint can mean a lot of things. It can mean my home. It can mean anything. But in this case, it's my new record. Just can't sit getting jiggy with it. And jiggy was a term – there's like literally a, an era of hip hop, like the Jiggy era, the, the shiny suit era, which was like Mace and Puffy. And it was about designer clothes and just having fun. It was mm-hmm. um, it was about glamour and glitz. And it was very superficial and bling, probably bling. so. Bling, bling. That- yeah. In the in, in, in the in the mid late 90s, you know, mm-hmm. um, so it's just uh, pretty clean. Like things. there's no big drama. There's no. Right. No, I mean, like, you know, Mace and Puffy were more street jiggy. But, I mean, Will Smith is squeaky clean. And he, he basically says – so, like, uh, we'll get to it. Uh, now, honey, honey, come ride. DKNY all up in my eye. You got a Prada bag with a lot of stuff in it. So, got a Prada, Lada. He's he's very good. He knows mm-hmm. what he's doing. Uh, it's strictly for the radio. There's, it's, there's, there's, did you know, he write this, this himself? Uh, well, I'm sure he did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe he had a ghostwriter. No, no. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, I mean, the Fresh Prince, when he was the Fresh Prince with DJ Jazzy Jeff, Jazzy Jeff in Philly, he was a real MC. Yeah. Know? See, I don't need, I've never it's even just, seen that show. Well, I'm not talking about the show. I'm talking about his music career that got him the show. Oh, right. See, I didn't even so know he this. Had, <laughs> he had a big, he had a big radio hit in like 87 or 88 called Parents Just Don't Understand. So to you other kids all across the land, there's no need to argue. Parents just don't understand. Right. But it was always kind of relatable, uh, like squeaky clean lyrics. Yeah. He's never sworn in a, in a song, I think, ever. Uh Give it to your friend. Let's spin. Let's go for a dance. Everybody looking at me, glancing the kid, like looking at me, wishing they was dancing the jig here with this handsome kid, sig a cigar right from Cuba, Cuba. I just bite it. It's for the look. I don't light it. Now that is so funny. He's so squeaky clean that he's not even going to light a freaking cigar in Miami. I just, I don't, I just bite it. It's for the look. I don't light it. Uh, Ill way on the anime. On the Ants Day Orflay, that's um, Pig Latin, right? That's what? Ill... Pig Latin? So your name in Pig Latin would be Aris, Aris K. Anve Outenhay. You take, the, the, you, you take the, the consonant at the beginning of a word, you put it at the end, then you add the sound A. Okay, never heard of this. Pig Latin, yeah. 
Uh, so Will, uh, Ilway, Will, the anime, the man on the ants day, Orfle, the dance floor, give it up Jiggy, make it feel like foreplay. So he takes the, uh, the pig Latin Orfle and rhymes it with foreplay. It's clever. Mm-hmm, Yo, mm-hmm. my cardio is infinite. Big Willie styles all in it, getting Jiggy with it. It's just my vacuum, my vacuum song. Your vacuum song? Yeah, when I when I vacuum, that's what I what I like to listen to. This, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's your it's your Hoover mover. Yes, <laughs> I think just fun fun pop songs are are great. I don't think there's anything to be guilty about. I think the stupidity of it is part of the fun. Oh, totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're not guilty. There's people way more guilty no, than we are. <laughs> That's right. So uh, here's a song that I, I really love. It's so wrong. We were talking uh, last time about how uh, Steely Dan is really twisted when you actually listen mm-hmm. to the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, this is a terrific example of that. So this is off their um, comeback album that won them a Grammy in 2000. They hadn't recorded for... Um, you know, 20 years together. Um, and they're now middle-aged and they always wrote songs about older guys going for younger women and really fucking up. Like the song, Hey 19, you hey might 19, know it. No, yeah. we oh, yeah. can dance together. You know? Yeah. And in, in that song, he's trying, oh yeah, exactly. And he's, he's trying to educate this 19 year old who Aretha, who Aretha Franklin is, you know? Yeah. And she doesn't know who it is. And it's like, no, you know, we can't, you know, so, but this is now they're actually in their fifties. <laughs> the future look desperate and dark. Now you're the one, the wave of grandma's Who makes the morning fabulous? Who says today's a fun day? Why do I feel like saying it again? Honey, it's you, J.D. <laughs> wow, I, I had no idea about their lyrics so much. I know their music way better. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, it's musical theater. It's like little short stories, really. Yeah. So we'll, let's go through these lyrics. I think it's extremely well done. And and it, again, it walks this line, kind of like the Slayer song, because it's really creepy. Yeah, it is, yeah. You know, uh, they have a song about child porn, or at least uh, showing porn to children back from the 70s called Everyone's Gone to the Movies. <laughs> I mean, Jeez. I could have chosen that one. That, wow. that one's actually really fun. I could play that for you as a bonus. Um, but uh, so it must have been my lucky Thursday. Your dad went on that spree. Before the crew could put out the fires, you hopped a bus for NYC. Down in Tampa, the future looked desperate and dark. Now you're the wonder waif of Gramercy Park. So that is so packed with information. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it's telling the backstory of how she got there. We don't know what the, what the spree the dad did was, but we know that she's young because her dad going to jail basically, or some, something going wrong with her dad meant mm-hmm. that she like got the fuck out of there. So she must be a teenager. Yeah. Down in Tampa, the future looked desperate and dark. She comes from Florida. There's something exotic and sexy about that. Now you're the wonder waif of Gramercy park. Now Gramercy park is a very wealthy, fancy area of 
Manhattan near Union Square. Very beautiful. And it's also a gated community. Like the, the park itself, you have to have a key to get into. Um, and a, do, you know what, do you know what a waif is? No. Uh, let me see what the actual dictionary definition is. A homeless, neglected, or abandoned person, especially a child. Wow. Okay. So now you're the wonder waif of Gramercy Park. Wow. He's sexualizing this like runaway, right? Who makes yeah. the morning fabulous? Who says today's a fun day? Why do I feel like sailing again? Honey, it's you, Janie Runaway. That third line in the chorus, why do I feel like sailing again, is to me what redeems it. It makes it really funny because he's, he's – they're poking fun at the narrator – this guy's, yeah. been having, this guy's been having a midlife crisis. <laughs> this, this rich, you know, you know, Nabokov kind of protagonist, you know, who's yeah. who's, who's lost his, his will to live. Who? Why do I feel like, honey, it's you, Janie, runaway. Let's grab some takeout from Dean and DeLuca, sort of a local gourmet yeah. grocery. A hearty gulping wine. What a pretentious thing to say, but it's just a great lyric. Just so just just rolls off the tongue and it's so specific you be the showgirl and i'll be sinatra way back in 59 sweetness and heels look at you in long black gloves come to old blue eyes tell me who do you love it's so creepy oh yeah <laughs> who makes the traffic interesting that's got some innuendo to it mm -hmm. how, how is she making the traffic interesting yeah well leaves you leaves it yeah. to your imagination right yes exactly. they have such a yeah Rescues a dreary Sunday. Who makes me feel like painting again? <laughs> Honey, it's, it's so, it's so, um, yeah. <laughs> it makes you feel like painting again. It's very skeevy. Yeah. yeah. And the third, the third verse uh, actually takes the joke all the way. Let's plan a weekend alone together, drive out to Binky's place, the sugar shack in Pennsylvania, or would that be a federal case? Do you get what they're saying there? <laughs> Mm, well, is it like a some sort of dirty sex form? No, no. They're at, he's actually it's 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 legal crossing state lines with a minor for the purposes of sexual whatever is a federal crime. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Okay. So if, if, if we were to drive out to Pennsylvania. Would that land me in in the in double jeopardy? Would that would that mean that I'd be you know liable for a felony? But he still mm -hmm. wants to do it anyway. We'll take the big red, the blazer. It's nice inside, and and guess who's coming along for the ride? Who has a friend named Melanie who's not afraid to try new things? Well, that's terrible. Isn't oh. that terrible? <laughs> Who gets to spend her birthday in Spain? Possibly you. Terrible. Just a little dangling carrot. If you Possibly want to try new things with, with your friend named Melanie, there might be a trip to Spain in it for you. Who gets to spend a birthday in Spain? Who gets yeah. to spend a birthday in Spain? Ooh, possibly you. Yeah, creepy. Creepy. And sad. They have a and creepy. creepy and sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and just smooth as hell and funky and beautifully played. And so, you know, that mixture of things to me is just so much fun. Uh, it's a character. It's a real great character. Mm -hmm. On the same album, they have a song called Cousin Dupree about a guy who's trying to make it with his, his, his cousin. He's got a crush on her, you know, and he's a total and loser. 
Right. Yeah. Complete loser. Low lifes and criminals and, and creeps. See, I have no idea. I'm just sort of bobbing along <laughs> my car. Yeah, no, no, no. If you if you look at it, to me it 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 enriches the experience so much. And then mm. you can kind of forget about it. Okay, do you have any others? I mean uh, many. You can choose. We can go for um that is really a guilty thing. Like but that's also again like nostalgia. Like I don't even know I, I I wouldn't even know What's what the lyrics are. What's um, Gloria Estefan cuts both ways. <laughs> I mean, we're talking okay, guilty pleasures now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never heard this song. I don't know this album at all. You know, there was a Gloria Estefan musical. Really? Yeah, oh. On Your Feet. Oh, get on your feet. If you would just stay, because I feel too much, let you go. You know what's funny about this song? Mm. This song is about a guilty pleasure. She is saying our love is uh, hurting us. We know that, but we can't stop. Mm. You know, it's like a knife. Uh, it's driven deep. Life isn't like that, but I can't, but we can't, you know what I'm saying? Like there's that awareness of that kind of. Um, With or without you, the U2 song. Uh, what about it? Well, is that what, you, what you're saying? I guess that that vibe. It could it could be. I mean that that's a more uh, that's a bit more sophisticated. But this one, I'm just saying that this one, the lyric is basically saying that the she's feeling guilty about the pleasure that she can't. Mm. Like if we that's if we look mean. at the 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 lyrics themselves, can't be together, cannot live apart. We're heading straight into a broken heart, but I can't stop. Mm. We're in too deep for sorry alibis. Can't have regrets or even question why we can't say goodbye. Uh, don't ask for more. Don't be a fool. Haven't we already broken every rule? Every addiction yeah. is a guilty pleasure in some ways. We should talk about an addictive relationship. Mm. Yeah. I sort of, you know, I was, whenever this came out, when was this? Like 90, was it the 90s? Yeah, it must be, no? It sounds like a nice song. 80, 89. 89? Yeah. Okay, so and I this am... Is the this is the first album when she wasn't billed with Miami Sound Machine. This was her yeah, first Yeah, exactly. Album. Yeah. I was 13. Yeah. I have no idea what she was talking about, of course, but... <laughs> um, no, honestly, I had no idea. I, did, I didn't know... I did feel that it was some, something sort of passionate and painful at the same time. Um, and that's what you're what you're saying, I guess. Well, she's a good singer. She is a very good singer, and she she conveys emotion really well. Um, yeah. You know, cut, cutting cutting like a knife is one of the least interesting cliches. In yeah, the I was just going to say that that's, that's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, I mean Brian 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 Adams has a whole my my fellow Vancouverite 
uh, Brian Adams has a whole song built around it. You know, cuts like, like a, a knife. knife. But it feels so right. I don't even know that song. I know uh, yeah, everything I do is for you. That's that was a that was like almost a decade later. Uh, he was a Canadian pop star before he was, you know, writing Kevin Costner theme songs. <laughs> I would be remiss if I didn't bring in some misogynist lyrics. Because? because because that is a major source of um guilt mm-hmm. and sometimes pleasure for me when it's in the context of a song I just really love yeah or an artist I really like and I and and I've had different ways of trying to uh launder that or cope with that or justify it to myself mm-hmm. and if I'm going to be honest I have to deal with the fact that I'm a man who's listened to a lot of lyrics that are either demeaning of women or degrading or outright hostile mm-hmm. in my life. And, and yeah. some of them I can't listen to anymore. And some of them I probably could. And I, I don't know how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's an example of a, a lyric that's on the, just the stupid side. I think it's, this is a kind of guilty pleasure on the stupid side. Um, <laughs> If you take it too seriously, it is, if you take it literally, it's, uh, you know, pretty offensive, but it's also just, uh, I mean, this is cock rock par excellence. Not much there's not much to get no it's funny because i also as a woman also very much conflicted sometimes you know i'm like i know so many very um female unfriendly jokes you know that i find very funny but i but at the same time i'm like that you know i'm looking at this and i can see the you know if i if i look at it in a some from a meta perspective i can see the humor but of course if i go into the you know as a right. feminist and like, what are you talking about? Well, Why? Right. Well, mean, well, you, could, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the it's, ability it's, to, the, the ability to see it in both ways, I think is very interesting. Yeah. But that's maybe because uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know, but it, 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 it worries that, me sometimes that I find it so normal to still tell those well, jokes. Right. And also when, you know, when I see a, 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 a um, a car going the wrong way or see bad parking. I still joke. Oh, it's a woman, you know, like, even I do that. Mm. And I'm like that. Yeah. There's moments yeah. like that. Internalized sexism. Yeah. Yeah. And it's terrible. Cause I, of course I don't, I don't want, I don't want my son to find that those are the funny jokes. But I still, no, they absolutely. still make me laugh because the joke itself is a funny joke and the setup is funny. Yeah. But yeah, I'm conflicted about this a little bit. But anyway. I mean, I, I, there are Jewish jokes I like a lot. Like, uh, what's the problem with anti-Semites? Mm. They hate Jews too much. 
Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> enjoy that one. Uh, and I'm a Jew. I'm a Jew, folks. Well, this conversation about sexist lyrics actually went on for quite a while. We had to cut it down for issues of space. But for anyone who wants to hear us talk further about this fine line between, I don't know, enjoyably uncouth and downright unpleasant and hateful lyrics when it comes to men singing or rapping about women, you can check out our Patreon episode at patreon.com slash let's get lyrical for five bucks a month. You get full extended episodes, the full broadcast with nothing edited out. Uh, and uh, here's a little sneak preview of what you'll get to hear if you subscribe. Shit, you got a pocket full of robbers and my homeboys do too. So turn off the lights and shut the door. But for what? We don't love you, hoes. That's terrible. Yes, that's right. Carice Van Houten rapping Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, the only rap verse she claims to know by heart. Um, so that's just one of the many extras you'll get in the bonus episode. Also, we cover songs by uh, New Kids on the Block, um, an extra Steely Dan one, and a whole bunch of other analysis and banter. And getting these full extended episodes, once again, is one of the perks of being a patron of our podcast. Five bucks a month gets you that and just a bunch of excellent perks. So head on over to patreon.com slash let's get lyrical to find out all about that and sign up and get to hear the whole shebang. Okay, back to the main episode. Yeah, that's actually all I've got. Should we end with Yeah, yours? let's go like go back into like sweets and um you know um a bit um what do you call that? Um, cheesy, maybe? Even? Innocent. Even? Yeah, cheesy, um, sure. The way we were. First, before we even listen to it, I'll tell you, Wu-Tang Clan sampled this song oh. famously. I'll, I'll play it for you afterwards, just briefly. For the way we were Let me quickly play you Wu-Tang Clan's... Uh, now, I don't think they're sampling her version. Uh, that Maybe it's Gladys Knight or Diana Ross. I don't know. Uh... P.S. Please watch that film. I, I, yeah. I, 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 it's just... I will. It's classic. Do that on a different day, but you know, it, but they turn it into a nostalgia song about their childhood growing up in the Staten Island projects. Right. No, oh. and, and it's so funny that I hardly know anything about them, but I am on the records. What? Isn't that the Wu Tang Clan? Yeah, it's the Wu Tang Clan. Um, they did this project that is like one, there was one um, actual, actual records or actual recording. Do you know that? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The one uh, once upon a time in show or, or yeah, the one that was like that they they sold to Martin Shkreli that they 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 auctioned off. I guess so, and it was just one. They made one copy. Yes, that one. I'm on that one. How did they sample Game of Thrones or something? No, they just. It was before Game of Thrones. I think it was just when the Game of Thrones sort of started taking off, maybe in the beginning. How did you get on that album? I don't know. They just asked me if I wanted to, and I was like, "Sounds pretty cool." I don't really know them. <laughs> I know Riza, it was... Riza, Riza asked you. I don't remember his name. <laughs> I don't know who these people are. No, that's that's not true. I, I, of course, I knew. I just knew. <laughs> this is terrible. Freeze. No, I just thought this is really cool. They're a really cool band. I think. Yeah, this is cool. This is a cool thing to do. I never heard it. I don't know where it went or. So what, what what was your part? Were you singing? Or no, you I was talking. Was I was talking. I had some sort of mini monologue about 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 what? Don't remember. <laughs> and no, and I'll never get to hear it because that motherfucker, that that pharma bro, bought it. I know. I could maybe I could scoop up the emails about it. You know, see if there's any there's any proof. Please. Please do, and if anyone wants to, if anyone wants to subscribe to our Patreon at the two thousand dollar a month level, we'll share it with you. Because, because, because if it's good for the goose, it's good for the game. I thought you knew this because I thought you're, 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 you know, you're a fan and stuff. No, 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 no. Okay. So the way we were, nostalgia, syrupy, corny. You love it. Yeah, but it's also again, it's connected to that movie. And it's such an amazing love story. And they both are, they have a chemistry that is sort of unheard of. Like it's one of those films where you just want to be them or with them. You just, yeah. Yeah. Please watch it. Have you seen What's Up? Have you seen What's Up, Doc? Uh, Is that Roger Rabbit? No. (laughs) It's Barbra Streisand's film debut. I think it's Peter Bogdanovich. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's comic genius. Her performance is one of the funniest. Uh, well, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's just really impressive. And Madeline Kahn is brilliant in it. Um, I was really blown away by it. It's yeah. incredible. She's, she's something else. I mean, she's an incredible talent. Yeah, she really is. And in this film, also because they're so sort of a bit, they're sort of unlikely lovers. But, and it's also him, he's just, yeah, he's like a perfect. Um, he's, a, he's a sexy man. Yeah, let's put it that way. He is. Yeah, let's put it that way. He is. And he's a damn good director too. Quiz Show is one of my favorite movies of the yeah. 90s. And that is a fine, fine mm-hmm. movie with Ray, with Ray Fiennes and John Turturro. And- oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's- no, from the past. Excellent. But anyway, um, I think we probably have to wrap it up, right? I mean, yeah, we do. So thank you for thank you for coming to at the movies with Carice and Daniel. Oh no, wait, this is let's get lyrical with Carice and Daniel. Thank you everyone for listening. If you haven't checked out our Patreon page, uh, I suggest and request and 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 invite you to do so. Uh, Patreon.com slash let's get lyrical. You might have noticed that the audio is sometimes a little glitchy here. Uh, I am producing this show currently, and we would love to be able to hire someone to do that, to take the load off of me. And you put the load right on me. 
and also just make it even more polished and pristine and pro. Um, and for subscribing for five bucks a month, you get all kinds of great perks, including extended episodes, video versions of every episode, custom playlists based on each episode and, and a lot more. So check that out. Patreon.com slash let's get lyrical. Uh, we'll be doing a live stream soon. We'll be announcing that. And, uh, anything else, Carice, any, any, do you feel less guilty? I I feel like I've been cleansed. of. Oh yeah, I'm cleansed. I'm, I'm anyway. I'm I'm done. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm I'm clean. Forgive me, forgive me, Father, for I have listened to Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> I forgive you, my son. All right, Carice. See you next time. Okay. See you. Bye, everyone. Bye.